everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast with the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there. So glad that you're joining us. And we are now in session six of what's going to end up being a six-part series in talking about the Holy Spirit. We spent the first session talking about who the Holy Spirit is, that He is God, emphasizing the personhood, person versus force, and the deity of the Holy Spirit. Then we spent some time talking in the next in the next session on kind of what the Holy Spirit does, kind of some immediate impacts that the Holy Spirit has on us in sealing us, indwelling us, baptizing us, and kind of birthed out of that, talking about that the Holy Spirit, we're all have been baptized by the Spirit, kind of led us into a kind of a two-part excursion into kind of some controversial theological areas between evangelical Christians and charismatic or Pentecostal Christians kind of, I tried to, in those two parts to set the stage for kind of what the debate is, try to make a, a good positive case for people who disagree with me, but then kind of giving a short response to that, but really emphasizing that more than, more than us disagreeing, how important it is for us to in diversity have unity. And then last session, We spent some time just talking about spiritual gifts in general, kind of what a spiritual gift is, where does it come from, and how can I know what my spiritual gift is? And we're going to wrap it up here with talking about the filling of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, because when we talked about the things that the Spirit can do for us, there were certain things, those first group that we talked about are things that are immediate for everyone. And so that's what the Holy Spirit just promises he will immediately do. And then in talking about spiritual gifts, again, that's something that the Holy Spirit will will do. He is is a gift that he will give you to everyone who believes and they manifest themselves in different ways. And so part of our connection with the Spirit is learning kind of how he has gifted us to serve the body. So there's the things that he immediately does for everyone. There's the gifts that he gives us to serve. But if we kind of go back to week one and we talk about that the, the spirit of God is in us, we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, you take the indwelling and you take that we're talking about God, that, that, that the spirit of God, the, the presence of God comes to live and dwell inside me. Like we would imagine that there is like some power to that, some connection with that, that there's like, it's going to manifest itself, which again, kind of leads into some of that charismatic debate. But it's not about a spirit, a particular spiritual gift that it's going to manifest itself in or, or a miraculous thing. Really, it's like it is the, the indwelling of the spirit in us is like the power of God living in us to live the lives that God has called us to. And so really, whatever it is that you believe that God is wanting you to do, the fact that you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, that, that, that God's voice can now be internal for you, that the power of God is internal for you. It's like that should give us the power that we need to really see God do whatever he would like to accomplish in our lives and, and to that there is no command that we can find in Scripture that we cannot do. There's no sin that we cannot overcome. There's no task that God could not give us that we could not do because we are no longer having to do it ourselves, but we now have the power of God's spirit living inside of us. And so if it's true then, 
that every person who believes is indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that the power and presence of God lives in each person, then you would expect, I would say, I mean, just a higher level, a higher quality of, of life and conquering and spirituality in the lives of people who follow Jesus. But very often we don't see that. And I do, that is not to minimize what the Holy Spirit can do, but is really kind of a, a deficit, I think, in our understanding or our ability to really connect with the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. And so we're going to look at a couple of what I think are really kind of crucial passages that talk about, okay, well, if that power is there, how can I access it? And the first passage that always comes in my mind is in Ephesians chapter 5. And this is a very popular verse. It is well-known, but is in fact well-known not necessarily because of what it says about, about, about the point that Paul's trying to make, but about a secondary point that Paul makes through his illustration. You think, bro, what are you talking about? Let's just get to it. So I'm pretty sure we have talked about this. Now I think about it, if you've been in the podcast for a long time, we have spent some time talking about the issue of alcohol. And Ephesians 5, chapter, verse 18 says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. People use that word. It's like, hey, Paul, this is one of the things that Paul says about alcohol. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it does. He does say that. I mean, you can't, you can't say that he doesn't say that. He says, don't get drunk. I mean, it, it's there. He says it. You shouldn't do it. He says it. He calls it debauchery. Okay. I'm not saying he doesn't say it. I'm just saying that's not his point. His point is to be filled with the Spirit. And he uses this as an illustration. Let me just expand it back, make sure. I can make this case to you. Let's go to uh, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So here's kind of a thesis statement here for this particular paragraph. Be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. No, don't, don't be, be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. So how, how do I do that? You might ask. Well, here we go. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's a great contrast. I mean, that's a great contrast. Know what God wants from you. Don't be an idiot. I mean, that's just great pieces of advice. Give me two great pieces of advice. I'll back together in one verse. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Again, this is all in the context. And you think, well, don't get drunk with wine falls under that. I mean, like, don't be an idiot, right? I mean, like, that's where idiots come from very often. But again, I think what Paul is doing here in making that point about not getting drunk, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit. I mean, that's one idea. It's one idea. And, and these two ideas, being drunk and being filled with the Spirit, there's an intentional comparison being made here. Don't get drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit, okay? Like in both instances, you're getting filled with something. You're filling yourself up. And, and I think that the best way to illustrate this, you think, about, you think about getting drunk. And I think there's a reason why Paul used this as an illustration. If you think about, okay, what, what does alcohol do? Alcohol, alcohol is an external, external thing. It's not me. It's not me. It is external to me. And I take this thing that is external to me and I put it into me. And I put so much of it into me that it begins to change how I behave. It begins to change my attitude. It begins to change a lot of things about my personality, my character. Like uh, It begins to control me. 
And so this thing that is external to me comes internal for me and begins to take over a little bit, but not really to the point where I can't say it's not me doing it, but it is me through the influence of this external thing that has become internal to me is now guiding my behavior and my attitude and all of these things. That's what happens, right? That's what happens when you get drunk. He says, don't do that. That's debauchery. That isn't, rarely, rarely does that lead to good outcomes. I mean, it, it does do that thing. It does begin to take over, but not in a good way, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Same concept. The Holy Spirit, it's not you. Holy Spirit is God. It is an external presence that you then take into you when you believe in Jesus and you take in so much of it that it begins to take control and you begin to, your will begins to yield to its will. I'm sorry, that is my bad theology, not its will, his will. I was doing it in the broader sense, thinking about the alcohol too. Please forgive me for the theological lapse. For it, I, I, I'm, I'm now yielding to his will because I am now full of the spirit, not full of wine, not full of liquor. I am full of the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit, his will is taking over. It's still me doing it, but under, here's a phrase, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so because of the influence, the strong influence of the Holy Spirit, um, I am now living in a way, in a, in a different way. I'm, I'm now being careful. I'm living wise. I'm not unwise. I'm not being foolish. I'm understanding what the Lord's will is. Verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from the heart, from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I believe kind of you start talking about the, the, the singing and the giving thanks. He's talking about the way that this is going to manage, like how this happens. So how does one get filled with the Spirit? right? If the Spirit comes to live in you, it indwells in you. We've already looked at that. Spirit comes to live in you. What does it mean to be full of the Spirit? It doesn't mean that you can take on more Holy Spirit. I mean, once the presence of God lives in you, I mean, you have all of, all of the Holy Spirit. You're not getting part of the Holy Spirit. You're getting all of the Holy Spirit. But how can I be full of that? How can, how can it, how can, again, we're, we're kind of, it's obviously a metaphor, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit does not have a physical substance that is filling you, but you imagine this idea, this concept, again, using a metaphor, the metaphor filling, imagines that there is a space that he can, he, he can fill up. There's an emptiness and he wants to fill up. So what, what is that? So we think about your life, your, your moral control, your, your, your will, your desires, your motivations, the things that drive you. Like, is there a space there where the Holy Spirit can take up? If you think about your brain and you see those little memes or whatever, pictures of kind of like what all a dog thinks about and you see the brain or what does a, guy, what does a typical guy think about? Or what, and you have the different, you know, like a little drawing, like, well, this brain goes for this, this is this, this is this, this is it, Right. In your heart, your brain, the things that drive you, the things that give you motives, what's there, right? You know, um, ambition is there, family is there, success, wealth. There's all these things, you know, that, that are part of what make you move and go and drive and push. To be full of the Holy Spirit is to say, I'm going to give God all of that space. 
I'm going to let God take all of the space that is inside of me that determines what moves me forward. And I want to, I want to, be, I want to be full of that, which really kind of implies, first of all, it implies an emptying. So if you think, well, how can I be full of the Spirit? I mean, I think the first thing you have to understand is there's some things that you have to empty out. Sin, selfishness, self-focus, unhealthy ambition, those kinds of things. These the kinds of things that you know that when you are full of those things take you the wrong way. Because we can honestly say that alcohol is not the only thing that we can be full of that leads to debauchery. It could just as easily say, do not get drunk on power which leads to debauchery. Do not get drunk on greed, which leads to debauchery. Do not get drunk on yourself, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I may use a more tangible metaphor when talking about not getting drunk on wine, but there's lots of things that you can get drunk on that you can be full of that is going to lead you to varying degrees of debauchery. So I'm going to empty myself of those things. And the more space that I can create where the Holy Spirit can come in and fill that space, the more full of the spirit that I will be. And so there is, there, is a, there is an emptying that needs to happen. But emptying is not enough. And then again, there has to be then a filling. And I think this is what the rest of this passage that we looked at is talking about. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks to God the Father for everything. How do I get the spirit to kind of be strong, a stronger presence to fill that part of me. One, well, the way that I interact with other other believers, and then that I'm I am speaking truth to them. I'm letting them speak truth to me. I have a heart of worship where I am singing and praising God, and I'm living a very thankful life. And so, if I can be more thankful, speak and hear truth, and then be a person of worship, then God's presence will be stronger inside of me which then will allow me then to be full of the Spirit, which will not lead to debauchery, which will lead to the opposite, will lead me to, to being an overcomer, to be a servant, to be a kind person, a generous person, a loving person, a hopeful person, a gracious person, right? And so th- that is how I do it. Like, so I empty out of all these selfish things and I fill myself up with these good things and now the Spirit has more of me than he normally would. And so then the question becomes, well, how will I know? Like, what does it look like? What does someone who is full of the Spirit, what does it look like? Which, to just briefly put our toes back into the controversy that or theological discussion we were having, and some people say that it, it will manifest itself primarily in miraculous gifts, but I do not believe that that is the primary evidence of true, full connection with the Holy Spirit. It is not miraculous gifting or supernatural utterances of some kind. I believe that Paul makes it abundantly clear in Galatians 5 what someone who is fully and totally connected to the Holy Spirit will look like. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Again, another metaphor here. Sometimes we have to take being full of the Spirit or walking by the Spirit as if these aren't just very clear metaphors. Being full of the Spirit doesn't make any sense in a literal sense. Literally walking in the Spirit doesn't make any sense. We're not talking about anything literal. This is an an, an illustration. Walk by the Spirit. You are living your life, and and what is the power that is moving your life? You are walking, you're going, you're living. By what power are you doing that? Is it your power 
Or is it a different power? He's saying you should walk, live, operate, function, be by the Spirit. So again, these metaphors are different. Be filled of the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. The metaphors are different, but I believe the implications of both of these metaphors are almost identical. The power by which you choose to live life, where does it come from? It comes from the Spirit. I am full, I'm so full of the Spirit, it controls me the way that an abundance of alcohol would. I am walking, I am living, I am existing. The power of my life to move forward is done by the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, it says, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Flesh, again, is a metaphor that Paul uses very, it's to the point now where it's so prominent that people don't think of it as a metaphor anymore. And it's like a descriptor of the sinful part of you. Basically, Paul's saying is like the flesh is just like that, that real earthy, physical, tangible part of you, that part of you that just carries out desires. And again, by desire, not healthy ones, your unhealthy desires. So Paul's talking about the flesh. It is the unhealthy desires that you have. And they're just, they're in your skin. It's kind of, it's, it's who you are. It's a, I want to say that it is a pessimistic view. I'm going to say it is a realistic view. It's like that, that, that the, the desire for selfishness is so ingrained in us, we could just call it our skin. It's your flesh. It's who you are, okay? So walk by the Spirit. Be empowered by the Spirit, and you will not carry out your selfish desires. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are, not, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So again, he's talking about a battle here that's going on between your selfish desires and the desires that the Spirit has. He says, these are two very different things. They have, they have, they have different, they come from different places and, and, and they, they, don't, they don't agree. And I think it is of incredible importance that we catch what Paul's throwing here. He said, there is a battle that is going on inside you about what you're going to do. And it's whether or not the Spirit is going to win or the flesh is going to win. And one of my favorite long-term illustrations that I've used with this is the idea, you know, you see this in cartoons a lot. At least I did when I was a kid. It used to be in a lot of different Bugs Bunny cartoons. You may not even know who Bugs Bunny is. The most recent one that I can think of is comes up in uh, da, 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 The Emperor's New Groove, uh, where Kronk is trying to decide what he's going to do. And an angel pops up on his shoulder and a devil pops up on one shoulder, and they're trying to talk him into different things. So we got to they got Devil Crunk and Angel Crunk arguing with each other about what he's going to do. And then one of the highlights is, is uh, the, the devil starts doing uh, a one-handed handstand and then does push-ups with that one hand in a handstand. And that's his reason for uh, why he should listen to him. And Crunk's like, whatever. And then the angel's like, actually, he's making a really strong point there, which is great. I mean, you just, you just can't, you just, and anyways. Should we do a podcast someday on the most underrated Disney movies? Because Emperor's Number Groove's got to be number one on that list. Anyways, it is not a battle between an angel on your shoulder and a demon on your shoulder. That's not the battle as it's described here. It is not an external battle. It's an internal battle. It's not an angel and a demon. It's God on one side and who's on the other side? You are. Your flesh is. It's not God versus someone else. It's God versus you. And that war is raging inside of you. There's an inside battle going on between what is going to be the driving force of your life. Is it going to be the spirit or is it going to be um, you, your selfish desires? And it takes us back to Ephesians 5. So you've got to learn how to empty yourself of those selfish desires. 
and fill it up with God's desires. And how do I do that? By hearing more of God's word, by speaking these encouraging words to each other, by worshiping God, by, by speaking and being mindful of him through thankfulness. These are the kinds of things. I empty myself out. I fill myself up. And now my power is coming from, from, from God rather than my own selfish desires. Well, Charlie, you may ask, how can I know which one is controlling me? Well, he makes it very clear. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Okay, Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so what is the driving force of your life? Is it the flesh? Is it, is it your selfish desires? Or is it God's, God's spirit? How can I know? Well, it would seem that it is the, your internal state that will determine that. Am I being loving? Am I being joyful? Am I at peace? Am I being patient? Or am I full of hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, envy, those kinds of things? I've had a lot of people in my life as a pastor who have come up to me and told me that I am an idiot and that I am not a very spiritual person and I am wrong. And they say it in a very angry way that then attempts to try to divide the church. And uh, if you come at me angry and divisive, I am not going to for one minute believe that you are being led by the Spirit in that moment. You may or may not have a point but you are not being led by the Spirit. Because if, if, you are being, if you are walking in the Spirit, you are full of the Spirit, it is not going to manifest itself in hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, factions, envy. It's not. And too often when we think about how someone is, is controlled by the flesh, we think of the other ones that Paul puts on this list. Sexual immorality, witchcraft, debauchery, drunkenness, orgies. You're like, well, I'm not participating in any orgies and I haven't committed any witchcraft and I'm only having sex with my spouse. So therefore I must be full of the spirit. It's like, well, you're halfway there. But if it's bringing out anger and division and jealousy and envy, I mean, he says that one twice, jealousy and envy, right? If I'm thinking about how someone has something I don't, some power, some influence that I don't have, if I am, if I am, pursuing my own self, if, I, if it's causing me to be angry, if it's causing splits, it's something, but it's not coming from God. The way that you can tell that someone or if you are being empowered by God or not is by the internal quality of your soul. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That, that, that's how, that is the manifestation of the Spirit. How do I know that I'm being filled with the Spirit? How do I know I'm walking in the Spirit? By what is going on inside of me, and these internal qualities are manifesting themselves in good ways. So contrast that with, again, the, the impurity, the hatred, the discord, the division. Is this drawing me towards love towards other people? Is it manifesting itself in unity and kindness and goodness? Am I, am, I, am I seeing positive things come from this? Or am I seeing division? Am I, am I angry? Am I angry? Am I anxious? Anger and anxiety, if that's the driving force, those are, those, those are flesh drivers. Peace and love, those are the Holy Spirit drivers. 
So that's always a really good self-check. It's a really good self-check. It's not a question of whether or not your issue is right or wrong, whether or not your attitude is currently um, in the right place. You know, I mean, there's, think about our, I mean, uh, real quick, the way our political system is right now, right? Uh, they're arguing with each other. Somebody's obviously right. One of, the, one of the positions is better than the other position. Okay, it's not a question of who's right or who's wrong, but I wouldn't say that anybody there is being led by the spirit because the way that they are manifesting themselves, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. So in the way that you're with your family, at work, with your friends, in your church, in your personal life, how would you characterize the internal character and quality of your soul? Is it the first list or the second list? And I'm telling you, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to keep these lists somewhere. I would have this bookmarked somewhere. I would have it uh, printed out on your desk or something. It is a great self-check of where my head, my heart, and my soul are right now. Whether I say, hey, are you currently full of the Spirit or not? I mean, that, that feels really vague. But if I asked you right now, would you say that your heart is more driven by love or hate, peace or dissension? Envy or kindness? I think you can answer that. I think too often Christians focus on whether or not the issue itself is factually right. And if I'm right, whatever happens is good. It's noble. The rightness of the issue makes the actions noble. But if you want to be full of the Spirit, it is not the rightness of your issue that makes it noble. It is the character and quality of your soul that makes it noble. Okay? So if I want to be someone who is full of the Spirit, if I'm wanting to be someone who's walking with the Spirit, then I need to empty myself of my selfishness, all the things that drive me and lead me to various degrees of debauchery, but instead fill myself up with God's Word and encouragement and worship and thankfulness. And then I can know that this is happening if what seems to be drive, the driving force of my life, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, as opposed to all of this, the darkness that can come from envy and anger and division. So thanks. Thanks for joining us here. Hopefully you caught all six sessions. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. I mean, obviously we could do six, 16 more if we wanted to. Um, uh, we're going we're gonna to transition to another topic coming up soon. Uh, but thanks for joining us. If you got some more questions or thoughts about the Holy Spirit, I'd love to hear them. You can go to charlie at thegrovechurch.org. And as long as we keep doing this every week, we'll continue to have more and more need and opportunity to talk about all sorts of things including circling back to some other issues surrounding the Holy Spirit again. So there's more we could talk about. If that's what interests you and you want to hear more about it, please let me know. Otherwise, man, we would love to meet you. If you're um, local, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday. And anything you want to know about our church, you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect. If you're local, you can come visit us on a Sunday. If you're not, you can find out about our streaming options there. Or you can join us any, either way. We'd love to help you, serve you any way that we can. Again, I'm Charlie Lofton, lead pastor at The Grove, and thanks for joining us.